Happy Friday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to be getting into the Lord's Prayer of Luke 11. We are in, finally, hallelujah, chapter 11, beginning in verse number 1. We're going to work our way down through verse number 13, and we'll stop in the middle a little bit to, to go over this prayer that, that is taught as a model to be able to guide the the disciples unto a relationship with God as a remembrance of their relationship in God and uh, really exciting stuff. So let's turn to the Lord and trust in his blessings of the scripture and prayer today. Father, we are grateful for your time. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to get into the word of God yet one more day. We praise you, Lord, for everything that you do in us, with us, and through us, and ask that you will bless us, Lord, as we rejoice in this, this model of prayer that you have established for us. We ask you, Lord, to guide and direct us through the rest of this day and give us privilege to live it well in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God, guys, let us begin. We'll start off in verse number one and work our way through, and the scripture goes to say, and I'm reading out of the good old King James right now. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine is in his journey to come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receives it, and everyone that seeks finds. And to him that knocks it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? What a gift of God. Now, I, I, I want to make a connection here. I want you to take a look at exactly what's being referred to uh, because it's very important. In, in lots of scriptures, loads of scriptures, you'll find that Jesus is the gift of God, Right? Uh, Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Jesus is often recognized as being a gift that the Father had given to the world in order to be able to save it because Jesus isn't someone that you can earn. Jesus isn't a wage. That's what sin brings death through. Jesus is, is the free gift. In fact, it would tell us over in Romans chapter number 3, insomuch the free gift that God gave would be a redemption from the wages of sin. The price that you have to pay because of the wickedness of your heart, the evil that is inside of you, the price that you have to pay for that is so much greater than you could possibly ever afford, obviously, that God would, would so love the world that he would give. And the very point of John 3.16 and the word give is the, the issue of a gift or the issuance of a gift. God gave his only begotten son. So as we consider the connection of Jesus being the great gift of God for our salvation, understand when you reach Luke chapter number 11 and verse number 13, he even, Jesus himself spells it out here. He says, if you, being evil, now keep in mind he's talking to his disciples at this point. Now you would assume that his disciples would be people who would be walking in righteousness. I mean, after all, they're following Jesus, right? But the reality of this is, is that Jesus knows the thoughts and intentions of their heart. Of course, he has Judas Iscariot that is there and is going to betray him, but he also has a whole, whole batch of 70-plus disciples that are standing around him that really don't know him, that really don't understand this, this, this new walk, this new faith that, that, that they're applying in the Messiah, and they, that they're really just infants. But that's exactly what Jesus called them earlier. They're infants. And so he's making it known that they are still very much evil in their heart. And the reality behind us is, is that though we are the children of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, yet still the old nature exists. I mean, I'm still stuck in this body of flesh, so this old nature exists. And so evil is possible through me even to this day. Evil exists with me because I'm still stuck in this old nature. And I must consciously and, and, and literally, I must consciously and determinedly serve God with my new nature connected to the Holy Spirit every day or else I will slide to an old slant, a slanted nature, and, and evil may be the end result by the end of my day. <clears throat> and he said, you being evil naturally disposed to the flesh and apart from God, you being evil, know how to good give, rather, how to give good gifts, right? We're going to take care of our kids. You know, the people that, that are locked up for murder, the people that are locked up for, for theft or all of these other things that have children love their children and if was possible would do whatever they could for their children, would give whatever they could for their children. That they are certainly evil. They're in a place where evil people are because of the crimes they've been caught committing, but there is a place of goodness that exists inside of them, even though they're evil, that, that would do whatever they could for their children if they had the ability to, to do that. And, and Jesus acknowledges this. He says, it doesn't matter how evil you truly are. You know how to give good gifts to your children. <clears throat> now look at the gift of God. How much more shall your heavenly Father give, look at this, the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now, 
salvation is by faith, right? By grace, rather, through faith. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And so it is it, it is a crying out unto the Lord and a seeking his, his favor unto salvation to be forgiven of my sins. It is through repentance and the and the seeking and the begging of the Lord in prayer. Think about the woman that was that had come to Jesus and said, you know, may I have bread to eat or or Lord help me. And he said, well, it's not fit for me to give the bread to the dogs, the bread's for the children. And, and the woman said, yes, but the dogs get to eat from the crumbs of the table. It's like, look, I'll take a crumb of, of help from you. I don't need to have the whole loaf. I get it. You're not me. I'm not you. I get it. You're righteous. I'm a sinner. I understand that. I need you. Even a crumb will do. Help me. And and Jesus said, oh, praise God, sister. He said, you 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 are every made whole in every way. Well, that is a truth that you're finding is that the Holy Spirit is the blessing of the gift that would be given unto us who would cry out unto Jesus for salvation, that we would cry out unto the Father in repentance with a broken heart to say, I need Jesus. And the Father would say, you got him and plug the Holy Spirit into us as a blessed gift of the seal unto our salvation and the, uh, unto the day of the purchase, redemption of the purchased possession as revealed in Ephesians chapter number 1 from, from verses 12 to 16. So we see that, <clears throat> that the Holy Spirit indeed is given unto us at the point of our salvation. He's not a second blessing that we have to obtain or achieve or, or receive at a later point. This is something that is done right at the point of our salvation as we seek to the Lord for the blessing of salvation, as we cry out with a repentant heart, seeking the Lord's forgiveness. It is done, and in one moment we are sealed. We are given the blessing of the Holy Spirit is within us in that moment, and now capable of guiding us and leading us, instructing us, uh, chastising us, and rebuking us where necessary. Uh, keep in mind, children oft need a little rebuking. And so we find that from the teachings that Jesus gives just above, as we look to the Lord's Prayer, and, and before we get into the Lord's Prayer, this all, by the way, these 13 verses all tie in to the 13th verse as concerning the Holy Spirit as the very gift that would indwell us. And, and in fact, Jesus goes to speak to this. He says, when the Comforter has come, remember that? And he says, when the, when the Spirit of Truth has come, there are several ways in which the Holy Spirit is recognized through the, through the Gospel of John from chapter 13 to 16. There, there are several ways in which the Holy Spirit is recognized, and thus it, it Jesus makes the claim that He cannot come unto us unless Jesus goes unto the Father, because the Holy Spirit, while Jesus is alive, is, is contained within the frame of Jesus. He's contained inside the vessel of Jesus, and, and it is necessary when Jesus lays his vessel to the ground and when Jesus dies that the Holy Spirit can then be released. And at that point when Jesus' flesh rises again, it is apart from the Spirit. He can now breathe upon the disciples and they can receive the Holy Spirit that happened in John chapter number 20. 
and and at the receiving of the Holy Spirit, they have received the the gift that that God was promising them and sealing them under the day of their redemption and empowering them to be able to go forth as a church and serve Jesus Christ on the earth and and strengthening them through their connection with the Word of God and and in every way making them the the servant that God will have them to be is all by the Spirit that that this is possible. And and in verse number 1, it comes to the point, it says it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, well, there's a certain place again. It is an established place that is a known location, and the interesting thing is you have to figure out the location as it's given to you between John, Mark, and Matthew because there's something important to learn. And one of the things that I discovered out of a question that was happening yesterday, <clears throat> and I love your questions, guys. Keep them rolling. I believe this question was from Miss Margie, and it was dealing with the connection of, of Luke chapter number 7, and that woman uh, that, that came in behind Jesus was washing his feet with the, with the hairs of her head, and, and the connection I was making to her as, as being this same Mary that you'll find sitting at the feet of Jesus at, in, at the end of Luke chapter number 10. And of course, the gospel of Luke is, is a very unique gospel among the four because Matthew is telling an account of Matthew's connection with Jesus directly. And, and, and Mark is telling an account of Mark and Peter and their connection with Jesus directly. And John Oh boy, can can we say about the Gospel of John is is absolutely the direct connection with Jesus, uh, without question. But Luke, Luke is writing essentially a synopsis of the other three Gospels with some additions that may have been brought into pass through through uh, some of the conversations that he would have with Paul. So Luke's gospel is is not a a first-hand account gospel. Luke's gospel is a compilation of the events that are discovered out of the other three gospels. And that's a pretty important point to be able to make because events and Luke's gospel will exist, but they may be a little out of sync. They may be a little out of order. Like the woman that washed the woman who is Mary, who who had washed Jesus' feet and, and wiped with the hairs of her head. This event is shown closer to the point of, of going to Jerusalem at the end of the of the of the life of Jesus in, in the Gospel of John or in the Gospel of Matthew or even in Mark, but here in Luke, you'll find an event taking place in, in chapter number 7, then you'll see her at the feet of Jesus here in chapter number 10. It's a connectional event, and in the one house, you, you find him in Simon the leper, and then you'll find him again inside of, of uh, the house of Mary and Martha, or that Simon the leper's house was was one of the men that would be considered a Pharisee that Jesus would have healed from his leprosy, and that he would always be welcome in the house, and that Mary and Martha and Lazarus, being friends together with this Simon, would be in his house, and Martha doing all of the work, and the guys are laying around, what have you. But it's really interesting to find that that 
the Gospel of Luke is is a gospel that is giving you the accounts of what has happened from the perspective of an a compilation or a synopsis of the other writers and their 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 connection with Jesus. It's not to say that Luke doesn't have a connection with Jesus, but it is to say that that many scholars and many many commentary writers and 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 my personal studies. I find Luke to be a man that is is not Hebrew, and so he is a, a gentleman who is a convert to Christianity, and he's a gentleman who is a physician who is caring for uh, Paul predominantly for most of his his uh, physician's life. He's taking care of Paul through his missionary journeys, but he's also one who is is an avid student of the gospel's writings and of the biblical writings and a student of the torah and and you'll find that that the wisdom that comes through luke by god is is obviously the connection to why this is in the bible as a, as a connectional gospel but it is again a synopsis of those things that would be written for for this Theophilus to be able to receive an, a, a faithful narrative and telling of the life of Jesus Christ so that Theophilus could be saved. Essentially, the Gospel of Luke is a big track that is written to be able to win Theophilus and to be able to give him instruction and a guide to be able to live by. And so it comes down, and he's in this certain place, and he's been in prayer for a certain period of time. And then one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to do what you're doing right now. Teach us to pray, they said, as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, okay, <laughs> okay. Now think about this. When you pray, and this, this is the key now, some people take this to an absolute literal stance, and this is the only thing that they pray ever in their life. They just walk around saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. and Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thou art the you know, to thee are the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And that, that's their prayer. I said my prayers today. No, 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 no. This is a model. This isn't an incantation. This isn't, this isn't an abracadabra or a potion mix that's going to make somehow a magical connection happen to you with God. This is a model. Look at what he said. And, and keep in mind, the, the prayer that I just prayed that, that is oft prayed in, in liturgical services every week didn't even line up with the words of Scripture. We want to be a biblical people. We'll line up with the words of Scripture. Interesting thought, isn't it? Say, well, but that, that was the model prayer of, of Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 9 to 11. That, that was model prayer that Jesus gave over in Matthew. It may not be written the same here in Luke. Doesn't say that in Matthew either. We could take a look at that in a minute. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, first of all, acknowledge who you're talking to. You know, it usually helps when you acknowledge who you're talking to, right? Uh, he's our father. He's not Peter's father or James's father or John's father. He's Peter, James, and John's father. He's our father. 
all of us who have surrendered our heart to Christ and have entered the faith of uh, of God in in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are all brothers and sisters connected together by the blood of Christ as one family in God. And so, as our Father, uh, which art in heaven, where is he at? It's important to understand the location that God is and the location that we're going to be in heaven. His name is holy. Now, third commandment, his name, hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. A most precious name above all names is the name of God. And it shall not be used in vain. It shall not be wasted by your breath. So when you're praying unto God, understand who you're talking to and who your father truly is. Your kingdom come. Uh, that means I have to stop trying to build my own kingdom and I have to seek the kingdom of God. But doesn't Jesus teach that in the in, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 33? He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the rest of this stuff will be added unto you. Well, in his prayer, it is for the purpose of continuously remembering whose kingdom we're working in. Whose kingdom we're seeking to build? Whose kingdom matters most? By the way, it's not mine. So if I'm oft considering in my prayers who I'm talking to, where the, where the person I'm talking to is at, and what the purpose of my conversation is, then I'll be more focused about the things I'm talking about. So who am I talking to? My father. Where is his location? Heaven. What is the importance of his name? It's holy. And whose kingdom is most important? His kingdom. Whose will is most important? Oh, let's look at that. Thy will be done. <laughs> whose will is to be done? Whose kingdom is to be built? Whose name is holy? Well, this is all God, our Father. His will to be done, not mine. Even Jesus, at the point of begging to not have to face the, the scrutiny of death in the manner that he was going to have to face it, surrendered to God's will and said, Not mine, but thine be done. As in heaven, so in earth. <laughs> you know this point, as in heaven, so in earth, there's nothing greater than a church service. There's nothing greater than to be connected to a body of Christ known as the church in a local community. And I'll tell you why. It's because that is that is a taste of heaven every Sunday. <clears throat> it is a taste of heaven. It's where all of God's children from anywhere within that community are all coming together and gathering inside of that one house. And, and from whatever walks of life they come from, from whatever economic status that they come from, from whatever nationality that they come from, yet all being bound together by the blood of Jesus Christ, they come together in this one building. You've got heaven on earth. You've got a taste of heaven happening on earth because God's will is being done and the brethren and Christ coming together. God's will is being done in the church gathering together to honor the very name and honor the kingdom and honor the Father who established it all. Praise God for church. What a beautiful blessing it is to come together as the church. 
and most people just ignore it. Oh man, I'll tell you what, our church should be filled with people. Not because I want it to be so, and not because not because I, w- I would have pleasure in it being so, but because it would please God the Father. There are so many believers in this community, and they neglect the, the churches. Now, I understand why. I understand that there have been false shepherds that have filled pulpits. I get that. I understand that there there have been erroneous teachings. I understand that. I, I also understand that, that you've had your fragile sensibilities hurt. You got your feelings hurt. And the pastor said something that upset the way you think Christianity should be. And you just up and left. Instead of being a real a real Christian, you just went, went off and trying to satisfy your itching ears. I also understand that. But here's a reality. Jesus established a church, and if you're not in it, then you're already wayward with God. You're already there. I ain't talking about your salvation. I'm talking about your fellowship with the Father. For the Father seeks those that honor the Son to follow Him. And you're not honoring the Son. You're not in church. Deal with it. Just deal with it. Say, I don't agree with you. Church is where two or three are gathered together in my name. Oh, a church is exactly that, where God has established a place for his name to be. And Morgan's is one of those places, whether you like it or not. Now, whether I'm here or I'm gone, it doesn't change the status of Morgan's as being an established church that Jesus has certified for over 200 now and 50 years. Well, I can meet in my house. (laughs) Yes, you could. But you won't stay in your house if you're a real church because you'll increase in number and you'll have to go to somewhere bigger. Say, well, you established buildings. You you established churches are all anti-Christian. <laughs> I've heard the gamut, guys, but you can't get around it. You talk bad about churches around your community today because you don't want to go to them. You talk bad about them because you don't like the pastors or because you don't like somebody in the congregation. But if your butts would start filling the pews and you would start showing up with a heart geared toward prayer as God has established for us here and we actually met for the right purpose for the, with the right heart in the right spirit for, the, for that moment, I'll tell you what, things will change. Because God will meet with you. Enough said. In heaven. Could you imagine the church? Let's say Morgans. Could you imagine this coming Sunday with Morgans? That, that folks from promised land came in. We have the, the, the black folks of our community come in. And the Hispanic folks of our community come in. And the Asian folks of our community come in. And 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 and. All, all of us that regularly come in and, and everybody gathered together in so much we had to set chairs out in, in the aisles and, and oh, what a service that would be because it would literally be the kingdom of God right here in Manita. It would literally be what the throne room of God looks like right there inside of Morgan's or inside of Radford or inside of Promised Land or inside of anywhere else. It would be just like heaven on earth. so that we could worship God in a thrilling way. 
as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. You know what God has given you his daily bread. Day by day he's given you his daily bread. He's given you the word of God. The word of God is the bread of life. And you could easily, just like we do every day here at 4 o'clock, we get together with the word of God to feast upon his riches. Day by day we we seek to be fed of, of the daily bread. It's right in front of us. It's accessible to everyone in the United States. You can get it free online. You can get it on your phone. You can get it on your pooter. You can get it on your tablet. You, you, you've got the book in your house, on the bookshelves, at the coffee table, by your bedside. You've got it. The Word of God is so accessible, and the very bread that can give us the nourishment we need to be able to survive this life is readily available. All you got to do is tap into it. It is the gift that has been provided. And the fourth verse. Forgive us. Forgive us. This is a model of prayer. How many times have I heard these guys be sitting in church? Praise God, you know, it's one of those churches where you you, you know they call on somebody to close us in prayer and amen you call on somebody and say forgive us blah 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 and forgive us for our many sins and bless the name of jesus say amen let's go <laughs> time to get some chicken <laughs> that's not the point we can't gloss over this forgive us our sins they are many this is an acknowledgement portion of this prayer to recognize who we are before a righteous and holy God whose name is hallowed, whose, whose kingdom is, is, is powerful, whose will is to be done. Oh God, forgive us. Forgive us our sins. Not only this, give us power to forgive everyone that is indebted to us. That is indebted to us. You realize when you sin against God, it's a debt. You become indebted to Him. And if you don't seek forgiveness for that debt, then it will be called. It will be something owed. And you can't escape that debt. Because the requirement of escaping the debt is to provide an absolutely righteous payment. <clears throat> For he is an absolutely righteous God. And there's not one person on earth save Jesus that could make that payment. And so as we seek the Lord for forgiveness of our sins, we also seek the Lord to give us strength to forgive everyone that has offended us. Everyone. Just as we have offended God, that he would be willing to forgive us, that those who have offended us, we would let go to forgive. That's a hard one. <clears throat> and lead us not into temptation. Indeed, God would not cause temptation to come upon anyone. <clears throat> God would, God tempteth no man, the scripture says. But then why would he say to lead us not into temptation? But it's a prayer for leadership of the Holy Spirit to take over our hearts and lives, that we would find ourselves at a position of surrender 
so that we would not lead ourselves into temptation, but that we would rely upon the Holy Spirit to lead us by deliverance from evil. For any time that, that temptation comes upon us, it's because of the evil that we have existent in our heart that is that is seeking to rise up and, and we seek the Holy Spirit to give us strength to suppress that wickedness that is inside of us to deliver us from it. Oh, deliver us, Holy Spirit, from ourselves moment by moment sometimes as is necessary. Then he goes to teach them. He gives them this model. But what is a model without understanding? And he says to them, which of you shall have a friend? Y'all got any friends? <laughs> Think about this one then. Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. Uh, by the way, go to him at midnight. <laughs> you really find out who your friends are from your acquaintances. Now, an acquaintance is somebody that you know, maybe a coworker or something of that nature. But, but they aren't someone that you hang out with on a regular basis, right? I mean, it isn't like you're going to call them up and go out to eat with them, and, and it isn't like you're going to hang out with them and, and, and drive around town and just, just do things with them. This is the distance between a friend and an acquaintance. And, of course, Jesus said, Which of you shall have a friend and shall not go to him at midnight? Now, of course, understanding that's <laughs> pretty, pretty late at night or early in the morning it's kind of right there in the middle for us and and shall you say unto him friend lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and i have nothing to set before him so this dude shows up at your house at midnight and says hey i'm here <laughs> And of course, the first guy woke up and 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 gathered his friend into his house and 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 set him down and washed his feet and went through the the customs of a people to this day and then looked to provide him with something to drink, looked to provide him with something to eat, and was like, "Oh, nuts! I don't have anything for him to eat." <clears throat> so he says, "Hang tight, let me go get something for you to eat." It's midnight. But I understand the scenario that's happening here. I mean, this guy isn't even really thinking about it. He, he, his brain is not processing that it's midnight. His brain is processing, I don't have anything to provide for this guy, but my buddy down the road always has something to eat, so I'm going to go get him. So at midnight, he goes and he runs down the street. He gets to his buddy's house and he says, Hey, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come on a journey to me, and I have nothing to set before him. But it's, this is all happening at midnight. And you know, when he hollers at the door of this guy, it, it being at midnight, I mean, the thing he's doing is checking his watch. It's like, good Lord, what time is it? I mean, everybody's in bed. Now, verse number seven, he says, uh, from within shall answer and say, your buddy inside the house is going to answer and say, leave me alone. <laughs> Don't you know what time it is? Leave me alone. The door is shut. Can't you see? It's it's midnight. It's bedtime. My children are with me in bed. Now, it doesn't mean they're in the same bed with this dude. It just means that the kids have been laid down to go to sleep. I've laid down to go to sleep. The children are with me in bed. I, I'm not going to get up and give you anything. I cannot rise and give anything to you. Jesus' point. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, 
right? That that was the initial thing. Because he is his friend, right? It's okay, yeah, you're my buddy, but look, I I'm not getting up for this. Look at what he says, though, in verse number eight. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as much as he needs. Importunity, a very important word for us to receive today. This word importunity means incessant begging. (laughs) It means a non-ceasing aggravation of, of conversation. The person that came to the door, he's... Hey, I I need some bread. My buddy showed up just now, and I don't have anything to set before him. I don't want to take care of him. It's like, leave me alone. I'm in bed. My kids are asleep. Knock it off. Hey, come on, man. Really, I need some bread. You got to help me out with this. I I told you I was trying to sleep. Good Lord. He just got to get up, and he's going to get him the bread, because if he doesn't, this guy's not just going to wake his kids up, which are probably already kind of awake because of the knocking at the door and the incessant screaming that's happening through the door to be able to get help. But now you're in danger of waking up the whole neighborhood. <laughs> and that is importunity. It, it is an incessant questioning or an incessant asking for something in so much that it drives a person uh, to a point where they will answer the request that you have simply to get you to shut up, <laughs> simply to get you to leave them alone. And and it comes down, it says, yet because, in verse 8, of his importunity, will that friend get up and give him as much as he needs? That's the point of prayer. That's the point of time spent in prayer. Jesus said, ask, and it should be given to you. Ask and 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 ask. It shall be given to you. Seek. And don't stop seeking. Dig into the matter. Research it out. Find every possible thing that you can find on it. Find every possible avenue. Never stop once on the scent of the trail. Seek and you shall find. Knock. Never stop knocking. Knock until that door opens. Knock. And it shall be open unto you. For everyone that asks, receives. Now, this very statement that Jesus makes, in contrast with the events of of James, uh, chapter number 4, that would say, you ask and receive not, because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon the desires of your heart. So everyone that asks, but we're dealing with thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're dealing with the daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. So if you're asking for those things that are of the will of God and you're begging the will of God for your life, then you shall receive the will of God. But if you're asking for things that you may consume upon your own pleasure, you're probably not going to get the answer that you want because this is not good for you. This is evil, not righteousness. Seek. When you're looking for the Lord, you're going to find him. When you're seeking opportunities to share the gospel, you're going to find him. When you're seeking the opportunities to serve God, you're going to find them. When you're seeking evil, God will draw back from you. 
And if you knock, if you knock, God's going to open. He'll open that door. If a son asks bread of a father, which one of you is going to give him a stone? Even if some other kids that, are, that would be at my house would ask of me food, my table's always open to them. They don't have to be my own children to receive of my food because as they are with my children, as they are in my house, even if my children are all grown up and I've got a whole bunch of children that, that we start a daycare in the house, of course we're going to provide food for the children. If a child should ask a fish, who's going to give him a serpent? That's ridiculous. We give him a fish, an egg for a scorpion. These things seem ridiculous, but Jesus' point is made. We are a people that have a propensity to evil, but we are a people who know how to give good gifts even when we are evil. How much more shall our Father give the Holy Spirit to us that ask for it? Oh, Father, we give you praise and thanks for this day, for the blessing of this teaching. It's so much deeper than we could ever dive into. It's so much stronger, so much more powerful than anything we could ever truly understand or experience. This is the very Word of God and, and its raw authority before us. The very teaching of Jesus. And we give you praise for it. We ask, Lord, that you will bless us in this time together. And you will bless this Friday as it is a time of rejoicing in Jesus' name. Amen.